What's going on, hustlers? Welcome to the Lift Love Hustle podcast. My name is Sean. And I'm Nikki Nelson. And today is going to be a great podcast. We're going to talk about setbacks and plateaus. So what to do if you've ever had a setback or if you're in a plateau right now. There are three top ways that we are able to help people when uh, they are experiencing a plateau. And this happens to every single person, whether you're a beginner or you've been working out a long time, there is going to be a point where you just kind of feel stuck. Yeah, I've been there and most of our clients have been there. And the three ways are very simple, but they go overlooked very often. Um, the first way being your fitness. Okay, so what are you doing in the fitness side of your life? Are you tracking your lifts? Are you writing down how much you're lifting or how long your rest times are between sets and reps or whatever it may be? Because the more you can track and measure, the more you can create better results because the next week you can do even better and better. Getting stronger and lifting more or just getting healthier and being better fit is a lot about progressive overload. So not doing the same exact thing over and over because your body will adapt to that. So the more you can track and measure and progressively increase or progressively overload your body, the more reasons your body has to get stronger. One of the ways that I progressively overload my clients on a regular basis um, is to slow down the tempo yeah. and slowing. Just take if, if you notice that you're hitting a plateau in the gym, um, take the time to really focus on slowing down your movements. Yeah. Um, you like to do it in the negative, right? Yeah. Typically. So slowing down your movements and really contracting and feeling the muscle work. Um, so this works really well with big muscle groups, but even the small muscles like your triceps and your biceps that you can really slow down the movement and start to see those results and start to break those plateaus physically and aesthetically. Um, so the second way in the fitness realm that I would say um, in order to break a plateau is to switch it up. And, you know, one of the foundations of Hustle Training 360 when we started um, was that we wanted people to be able to switch up their workouts, switch up their workouts um, between trainers even and different experience, different specialties that people have to offer um, in order to break those plateaus. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, your body adapts to whatever you do most often. So if you switch it up, let's say you like yoga, um, and then you start doing strength training, your body will respond differently. Now, don't you don't have to do it forever, but do it for a few months, and you'll see your body start to change. Um, and that really, really helps a lot of people, That just that one thing to start to create uh, more change in your body and break plateaus. And there's such crossover with different workouts. Like yeah. if you are someone who does like to lift and you enjoy that, I would suggest, you know, throwing in some Pilates, right? Because yeah. if you can start to build your core strength, that is going to help you enormously yeah. in your lifting um, and your ability to engage during lifting movements. I love boxing. I mean, for that reason, because it's such a, uh, just a thrill. Um, you know, I'm not going in the ring, but I'm still hitting the bag. I'm hitting the pads and it's fun for me. So change it up, you know, try different instructors, try different, even group classes. I think that is the biggest thing that people miss is they get too attached to a certain person or a certain class and they just miss Absolutely. the whole fitness concept entirely. Yeah, for sure. So I would say fitness, um, in, if you are hitting a plateau on your fitness side of things, those are the ways that we suggest that you start to break them. The second way that we're doing that is nutrition. All right. So the number one thing we need to take a look at when our clients are plateauing is their nutrition. Yeah. Just like I was saying before with fitness, right? Are you measuring how much you're lifting? Well, are you measuring how many calories are going into your body? Now, 
Some people say they do, but most people don't. Most aren't really tracking their calories. Or they've been tracking their calories for a while and then they stopped, right? right. Like they're like, oh, I can eyeball it now. If you are starting to plateau, chances are you're not eyeballing very well. Right. And look, it's not your fault. A lot of these calculators aren't exactly accurate. The best way to do it is measure your food for 10 days using an app called MyFitnessPal or any other of these. Lose it. Yeah, or, yeah. There's a ton of them. Track your food for 10 days and get an idea of where your average calories are. If you find that you maintain your weight at the end of those 10 days, well, that's your baseline. And from that point, you can just basically eat 10% less than that for calories. And you theoretically, if your goal is to lose weight, you'll lose the weight. Or if you increase it by 10 calories, 10%, you should theoretically gain weight, you know, from that point on. And one of the things that, you know, you have to kind of break the idea that is a bad thing of tracking, you're tracking to help yourself, right? So I used to have this philosophy that if I was tracking, it was a negative, it was a bad thing. And it was a huge trigger for me. And I know a lot of women that I'm talking to, you know, are serial dieters. And so when they start with us, they're like, I don't want to track anything. I've done this before. And it really triggers me and some disordered behaviors. And I get that. But what when it really, I flipped my mindset into it giving me more control over my my body and more control over my results. So don't be afraid to buy a food scale. Like yeah. that was something that for years I would see people do. And I was like, oh, this person is definitely a health nut. Like if they had a food scale, I thought they were like this crazy health nut person. And what I came to realize was that it's just giving you an accurate measurement of what you're putting in your body. And why would you not want to know what you're putting in your body? Especially when you go out to eat, right? Because sometimes if you're tracking your food or using one of these apps, they don't always have the food that's you know on the app. So the best thing to do is bring a scale with you. Uh, you might look a little weird, but you'll look really good. Okay, so you've totally made fun right? of me for doing this. <laughs> I mean, I have, but look, it works, right? It, it gets does. results. So just bring a scale with you, put whatever you're eating on the scale, and then plug it in from there. And my, like, for example, when I did bring my scale, it fit in my purse, so it's not a big scale. Um, we're not talking like a major scale, but I brought it out and I thought, like when I was tracking my food previously, that the chicken that I was eating was like way, I thought I was eating way more protein than I actually was. And it was like the way that they cut the chicken um, that made it look like it was a lot more. And then when I put it on the scale, it was only like four or five ounces. And I was like tracking like eight ounces of chicken for sure. This is what I'm eating. And that was not the case. So like I said, I mean, don't, don't let it be a trigger for you. Take control over it um, so that you can take control over the results that you ultimately want for your body. And it should go without saying, but you should weigh your food after it's cooked. Okay. That's the real way to measure yes. your food. Okay. And then I would also say the other way that I handle my clients and nutrition and plateaus, um, and even for myself, is to do something called a refeed. And when you do, so people are so afraid of doing refeeds. I have to like struggle with my clients. If they are on point, they've been food tracking, they are 100% accurate, um, and they are making progress, 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 and then boom, plateau. How are we handling that, right? So I will say, hey, let's take Saturday to not track, and to eat a little bit more, like go off plan and eat a little more. And that refeed a lot of times will trigger their metabolism to fire up. 
and then we can start to see like that number break on the scale the next day. Actually, their workouts are getting better after a refeed day because they have a little bit more in them yeah. to power them through. So they're actually able to utilize um, their body to break the plateau in itself. So don't be afraid to do a refeed day. There are technical ways to do it where you're still tracking um, for if you're not competing or you're not, you know, being really, really, really precise and you're just, you know, someone who's on a general weight loss journey, I would say take the time to um, do the refeed and you don't have to track it. Like yeah. just go out to eat, eat something, ha have whatever it is that, you know, is, is, appealing to you or craving for you. That's really good if you're already very disciplined and you're doing yes. all the right things, okay? Most people are Don't do a refeed just to like do a refeed. Right. Oh, it's <laughs> refeed time and you've not been doing what you're supposed to do. Right. No, that's someone who like I do have clients who are very 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 precise and then I'm like, "Hey, let's let's take a day to just kind of reset and it does work." Now, so. what I hear a lot is, oh, I eat healthy, right? And I just seem, I can't seem to lose the weight. I yes. barely eat any food. I, I, I'm, I eat nothing, right? Well, guess what? That's probably why you're not losing weight because right. you're not giving your body the fuel it needs to perform perform and trigger weight loss, okay? Yeah. So think of it like this. If you're, if you're eating too, like not enough, your body thinks that you're in starvation mode. Your or body, it's adapted to that. Right, your metabolism is adapted. It says, oh, we don't need a lot of food, so we're gonna store what we've got. We're gonna hold on to it, or we're gonna gain weight, right? So you've gotta eat just below your maintenance level. Like I said, 10% earlier is around where you should be. When you start to go too far below that, yeah, you might lose some weight in the short term, but yeah. in the long term, you'll actually maintain or gain weight you know, over time, so. And this is something that I just learned <laughs> that we were talking about last night, which is what it what it means when you drop your calories very low for an extended period of time. And I do, I do remember what I told you that was called. No. <laughs> so, so if you restrict your calories for too long, you start to look actually less fit, right? So that's called- oh, um, Fat and- Fat and, no, flat and fat. I think flat and fat. <laughs> and that means like your muscles are actually deflated, right? So you don't have like enough um, storage in your muscles to actually look defined. So you start to just look soft and flattened out. So you might actually be getting smaller. Um, you know, some people will say that's skinny fat, right? There are so many terms for it, but you start to just kind of deflate. So when you're talking, most people are calling us and saying, I want to, you know, look more toned. Most people do not call us to say, I want to be skinny. That's not, thank goodness goodness a thing anymore in mm. this in this error so that being said when you are um you know looking to be more toned you're gonna you know make sure you're eating enough and there is something when we start tracking um if your calories are too low you can systematically reverse diet so this is something i've done as well where i come into you know my programming you know eating very little uh, maybe you know 12 1400 calories i'm gonna start working out you know really hard and strength training so i incrementally start to increase my calories to match that and that can be like 100 calories a week week until I get to a comfortable level. So then I could be comfortably eating 1800 and still losing weight. Now, before we continue, I think it's important to stress that you've got to know how many calories your body needs, right? And the average person doesn't know how many calories they should be consuming. So just as a rule of thumb, if you are trying to lose weight or lose fat, the best and simplest way to do it. Now, there's a few. There's almost probably dozens. But the best and simplest way is just to take your current weight where you are now and times that number by 10. 
And that is where your calories should be relatively um, to where you, you need to be to lose the weight. Now, if you're super active, that may change. Or if you're very, very, you know, not active at all, that may differ. But the average person should take their body weight and times it by 10. Now, from there, where do you go, right? How many meals a day do you eat? If you eat three, you divide that by three and you make it super simple. So that's how many calories you should have per meal based on how many meals you eat per day. Yeah, and then the last way that we look to break plateaus is sleep. one of the pillars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sleep, right? Yeah. And it almost seems like we're telling you, we're giving you permission to be lazy, and we're not. We're just talking about increasing the quality of your sleep. Yeah, yeah. and most people you know, either have a hard time going to sleep or when they go to sleep, they wake up, right? And there's a few reasons for that that could be biology, but there's other superficial reasons that they could just change and they could fix that. So what are some of the things that you would recommend for someone to improve their quality of sleep? Uh, number one, I would say have a bedtime ritual. Yeah. So I'm really big on bedtime ritual to start winding down. It's kind of like when you, know, when you have an infant and you have like this is something you practice with them and yet you don't think about for yourself. But like babies like love routine, right? So when they know at night you start to bathe them and you use maybe a special lotion after, all those things can be applied to you as an adult, right? So if, you know, taking a shower calms you, winds you down, taking a bath, whatever it is, make that something that you do every single night. From there, you know, you brush your teeth. So these are things that your body comes to expect and knows we're winding down. If you're the kind of person who can go to sleep, but then you wake up in the middle of the night, then what we recommend is actually before you go to bed, do something that doesn't require a lot of thinking because our brains have two modes. They're either problem solving mode or non problem solving mode. And if you go to bed in problem solving mode, meaning you're in stress or you're thinking about a lot of stuff, then you're going to go to sleep. You might go to sleep, but you're, you're still thinking about those things and it's going to cause you to wake up. So an hour before you go to bed, turn off the, anything that you're watching that might be too analytical or if you're working, you're too logical in your mind, just do something, read something that's non-fictional that you can just kind of relax to. She likes to watch serial killer, murder, mystery. Oh, I was just going to say, so like, you mean not watching <laughs> <craziness>. Dahmer? <laughs> not Jeffrey watching. Dahmer is how she goes to sleep. Why not watching Netflix? Then <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, that brings a really good point. Like if you are married, living with someone, have a partner that you're sharing a room with, you guys have to get on the same page um, because that will affect one or both of your sleep cycles. Um, so if you have one person who is waking up super early and one person is going to sleep, you know, super late, like that is going to create really bad habits for everyone. So, you know, there's a few ways that we've, we've come combated that number one, like if one person says I'm going to sleep, like the other person either has to leave the room <laughs> or like go I'm to sleep to too, <laughs> or yeah. go to sleep too. And that's just like respect, right? Like we just respect each other's quality of sleep. So like if one of us isn't tired, okay, well, like we just leave the room. We kind of, you know, watch TV in another room or scroll on Facebook or Instagram. And then we, you know, come back to the room when we're ready for sleep. But that person, whoever calls it kind of calls the night. Yep. Um, and then also room temperature. So it is better to sleep in a room. They really say, what is the number for degrees? They say 62 degrees. Uh, that's that's impossible. Cool. Like we're in Florida. <laughs> I would say maybe 64, 66. It's cold. Something like that's that. cold, yeah. right? Like yeah. if we have it at like 70, like I, that's kind of cold for me, but like good enough for I like, Sean. I like a little cold. Yeah. yeah. But that can be um, a really good um, indicator of, you know, 
having quality sleep. So making a, a chilled room, you can put blankets on, that's fine, but having a chilled room and also blackout curtains, right? So invest in, I mean, they, they're not expensive, but are, uh, invest in blackout curtains. When we used to live block in a- Block out the light. Yeah, yeah block out the light. Building, we, yeah. yeah, we lived in an apartment building and the, the lights from like just the street, like the parking lot yeah. were super bright. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't notice it until like night one or two when we were living there. You will notice an immediate difference in your sleep. Yeah. You'll wake up like you were in a coma. Yeah. Okay. So because just that one little hack. The one little thing. Yeah. Um, when we moved then to an area where we were on a lake, and nothing. And it was quiet and it was dark. It was the best sleep ever. Yeah, best you know, sleep. That's where we are now. So. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, look, we're not huge on taking medication to try to sleep. That's, you know, if you absolutely if you have that to, you have the doctor yeah. says that that's one thing, but right. you know, uh, one thing you could try is using something like uh, magnesium, uh, glycinate, which is a supplement that could help you fall asleep if you're deficient in that. And we, our bodies already produce magnesium. So this is just something that could essentially just help you a little bit more produce that, that, um, a little bit more to help you fall asleep and stay asleep. So sleep is a super, especially if you're stressed, right? If you have a super stressful job, yeah. that's even more reason for you to sleep better. If you're trying to break a plateau specifically. And try to go tech free, right? Like tech free, at least it's so hard because most of us are falling asleep to our scrolls. Um, but just making it a routine and a habit of like 30 minutes before you are ready to go to sleep, putting the phone down and leaving it there and not checking back in. I actually flip mine over because my screen illuminates like throughout the night. <laughs> and if that happens, I wake up. So I flip it over and 30 minutes before I'm ready to really go to sleep, I'm going tech free. The best thing to do, to be honest with you, is put it in a different room. Put your phone in a different room on the charger so you're, you're good there, but put it in a different, like the bathroom. So you're, you're not tempted to go back to it and look at it. So you brush your teeth, you put your phone away, you turn it off, and then you go do your, your your nighttime routine, and then you fall asleep so that your phone is not near you, you're not checking email, and those kinds of things. So those are the three things that we highly recommend if you're trying to break a plateau and see a change on the scale, whether it's body fat or muscle, any of those things. Those three things should help you out, um, and you'll see the difference. Yeah, and let's talk about something that's not really emphasized in the fitness world, which is setbacks. Yeah, setbacks are huge. We all have setbacks. We all have setbacks. I've had <laughs> I've I've had my fair share of setbacks. And I just feel like this is something that is crucial for people to um, know what to do when you do have a setback. And there are a number of reasons for setbacks. There it can be family, um, you know, family emergencies or things that take your attention away from yourself. So a lot of people come to us after having one of these, you know, breaks from their fitness and nutrition routine, and they will come to us and say, Hey, I've been taking care of sick parents or my kids have had things going on. And so I didn't take care of myself for this period of time. So that could be considered a setback. Yeah. Um, a setbacks could be, you know, just an injury, an yeah. injury, a surgery for yourself, something that happens like that. The worst thing you can do with a setback is stop. Okay, as hard as it might be is when you stop, it's way harder to get started again. So so what we recommend is just continue, but in smaller portions and smaller versions, instead of going to the gym for an hour, just put on your running shoes and just go for a walk. Right. right. Don't stop the routine because it's way harder to start back the routine 
um, then once it's broken, once it's broken. Yeah. And I think if you have, if it's a surgery reason, um, we've have plenty of clients that have had different surgeries elective or, you know, not, um, you know, what is that body part that you're having surgery on and work the other body part. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So we've had clients who have knee surgery. Well, okay, cool. Like, let's like really focus on that upper body. And there's a lot we can do with that, um, or shoulder surgery. Right. And then like, then you can focus on lower Just body. don't look for excuses, okay? I've had clients literally stop training because- For they, months. Yeah, I mean, I had a client stop walking, wanting to work out because he had the hiccups, okay? So <laughs> don't, look for, don't look for excuses. No, and then there was the nosebleed one. Yeah, yeah. I've had a nosebleed, uh, you know, whatever. All these little things don't matter. What matters is the results, right? And so if you make up these excuses, you, you're sacrificing- uh, your your goals for those excuses. Right. And and there's always a way. So if you do have to not work out one day, that's fine. Um, you can definitely like just pick back up the next day. Um, if you have one of these longer setbacks, like you have been taking care of sick family members or something have come along the way, get back into a routine as soon as possible with these smaller steps. All right, guys, that's it for today's podcast. If you're looking for a trainer to help you break a plateau or if you've been through a setback and you just need a, a kick in the butt to get going again, uh, reach out to us at hustletraining360.com and we'd love to help you out. We'll All see right. you next week. We'll see you soon.